This week on Stories of Emotional Granularity, I want to do something a little bit different. But this is something that I've been meaning to get to ever since the first season of the podcast, last spring. I want to share with you some of the resources that I have used to identify some of the many emotions that we have begun to describe here on the podcast. Some of the emotions that are listed on the website associated with this podcast. I've been working as a researcher of emotion for almost 30 years. I interview people at length about the emotions that they feel in many different contexts. I've never kept a strict count of all the interviews that I've done. I'm not a counting sort of researcher. I'm sure that the number of interviews I've done, numbers in the thousands by now though, Back when I got started as a researcher, I worked under a psychologist who had come up with a list of his own of what he believed was a core set of universal human emotions. Now, they were not at all like the short list of basic emotions that Paul Ekman had come up with years before. My boss's list of emotions included uh, different kinds of emotions, such as approach-avoidance conflict and vicarious enjoyment and the need for control. There were something like 20 emotions on his list, though that list fluctuated from year to year. He didn't choose those emotions as a result of any scientific research, but simply as a product of the way that he saw the world. That happens a lot in systems that we see that purport to definitively describe what emotion is and what kinds of emotions people feel. The more interviews I have done over the years, um, certainly back in the 1990s when I worked under that psychologist, the more evident it has become to me that that list did not at all adequately describe the range of emotional experiences that people really have. When I came to understand that in the late 1990s, that's when I began to become interested in exploring the full diversity of emotion. Direct research has been one great way for me to expand the range of emotions that I am aware of, listening to people. I'm just one person, though and I could never interview enough people to get anything close to a representative sample of the 8 billion people on this planet and all of the cultures that they come from, all of their individual experiences. The fortunate thing is that I'm not the only person who is curious about the diversity of emotion. There are others who have worked to document the many different kinds of subjective feelings people can experience. One of the things that bothered me about that psychologist I worked with back in the 1990s was that he never gave credit to the other psychologists or other researchers whose work actually provided the foundation of what he presented as his own ideas. He just pretended that it was all coming out of his own brilliant head. And I don't want to do that same thing with this podcast. 
So this episode of the podcast is all about giving credit where credit is due. The resources that I have pulled from to assemble my own list, uh, trying to represent some of the diversity of human emotion. And when talking about sources of research in emotional granularity, the obvious person to start with is Lisa Feldman Barrett. Lisa Feldman Barrett is a psychologist and neuroscientist who teaches at Northeastern University, where she is the director of the Interdisciplinary Effective Sciences Laboratory. She holds positions at Harvard Medical School and Massachusetts General Hospital, where she is uh, the chief science officer at the uh, Center for Law, Brain, and Behavior. And she is a former president of the Association of Psychological Science, and she's a member of the American Academy of Arts and Sciences. She's the founder of the journal Emotion Review and co-founder of the Society for Effective Science. That's effective with an A, not effective with an E. Lisa Feldman Barrett has been very busy for a long time and very effective with an E. She has done and directed a great deal of scientific research into the nature of emotion, which is a very tricky thing to study scientifically. She has also written several books. The most popular of her books is called How Emotions Are Made, The Secret Life of the Brain. It's a powerful and substantial introduction to her intellectual perspective on emotion, which she describes as constructionist. Now, the basic idea of emotional construct is that although emotion is, of course, founded in the biology of our brains, individual emotions are not prepackaged universal bundles of instinct that are hardwired into our brains. Instead, emotional constructionism argues that emotions are constructed as an interpretation of biological sensation through a confluence of the influence of individual experience and shared social meaning. What's really important here is that emotions are constructed as we develop. They don't come fully formed when we're born as babies. So, it was Lisa Feldman Barrett who came up with the concept of emotional granularity. And... Around her work, a community of researchers has formed, so she is far from alone in articulating the idea of emotional granularity and its impacts. And you may have noticed that emotional granularity is the core concept of this podcast. Nonetheless, I don't count myself as within the community of researchers working to articulate Feldman Barrett's concept of emotional granularity. My research into emotion is non-scientific, completely qualitative, and non-academic. So she and I don't run in the same circles. Still, this podcast is inspired by her research and deeply informed by it. Now, if you're looking to understand the constructionist view of emotional development in more detail, 
you may want to pick up a copy of the Handbook of Emotions or the Psychological Construction of Emotion. These are books that have both been edited by Feldman Barrett, but with chapters that have been contributed by that community of researchers into emotional constructionism and emotional granularity that has developed around her. Now, emotional granularity is the degree to which a person perceives distinctions between different emotions. This skill is not just an individual trait. It is cultivated through the confluence of individual experience and social context. So coming from the social perspective of shared articulations of emotional meaning is Tiffany Watt Smith. Tiffany Watt Smith is a researcher at the Center for the History of Emotions. The history of emotions. That's pretty interesting. Tiffany Watt Smith is author of The Book of Human Emotions, which articulates the meaning and touches upon some of the history of 154 different words for specific emotional frames of mind. And the book presents a good deal of the diversity of emotion beyond the simple paint-by-numbers approach that is represented in the theory of basic emotions. Nonetheless, this is an approachable book. Each emotion is offered as a kind of mini-chapter of between one and three pages of casual musings on each emotion. Another person who has assembled descriptions of many emotional concepts is Tim Lomas. And Lomas is a researcher at the Human Flourishing Program at Harvard University. He has published many books that identify a variety of subjective frames of mind. And among these are Translating Happiness, A Cross-Cultural Lexicon of Well-Being, and the Happiness Dictionary. Many of the terms that Lomas includes in these books are not themselves emotions, actually, um, but are emotionally adjacent. Um, terms such as mensch, the Yiddish word for an all-around good person. There are nouns of objects and kinds of people in there, and ideas as well as emotions. For a much more specific range of emotional diversity, there's a podcast that I have recently discovered called Climate Change and Happiness, which you can find on Apple Podcasts. Episode after episode, the podcast features people having discussions about the emotions that are provoked by the literally earth-changing climate crisis. A recent episode featured Herb Simmons, author of A Climate Vocabulary of the Future, which lists different feelings that people have about their relationship with the crumbling biosphere. Now, for a much more eccentric exploration of the possibilities of emotional expression, I recommend a book by Douglas Adams and John Lloyd called The Deeper Meaning of Lif a dictionary of things that there aren't words for yet. Adams and Lloyd 
use unusual place names from around the world as terms for things that are familiar, yet not specifically addressed in the English language. And among these are many emotional neologisms, including Glasgow, an emotion provoked by walking through a space in which everyone else is 15 years younger than you. Guernsey, the feeling one gets from discovering a plastic compartment in a refrigerator in which things are growing. Lamborghini, an improvement of mood that comes from putting pajamas on. Luffness, the hearty feeling that comes from walking on the moors in rubber boots with cold ears. And swanibost, the specific feeling of exhaustion that comes at the end of an entire day spent having income taxes explained to you. This book was written a number of years ago, but still, these are not emotional terms that have been taken up into popular usage. And yet, they do express actual feelings that people have, specific emotions that are distinct from other emotions for which we do have specific words. These terms identify spaces for the potential development of authentic new emotion concepts when even a small group of people begins to use a nonsense word like these to refer to something that they can all identify in common, that term will quickly gain genuine authenticity. You know, the words that we have for emotions don't begin to represent the diversity of actual emotional experience that we go through. Our minds have much more complexity than what even the most sophisticated brain imaging technology is capable of representing. And last year, a team of neuroscientists at the Allen Institute for Brain Science completed a report on a six-year-old but ongoing project to survey the diversity of types of brain cells by measuring the specific genes that are activated in different cells, because not every cell activates all of the genes that are available to it. Every cell in your body that has nuclear material uh, has the complete genetic code that makes you you, but each cell only has some of those genes activated. So we don't just look at cell types now, in terms of what their shape, their general morphology appears to be. There are actually different kinds of cells according to the ways that they function, which kinds, which parts of the genetic code they activate. And this research by the Allen Institute for Brain Science has only taken a partial sample of different tissues from different parts of the brain but even with this partial sample, it has already identified 3,300 different types of brain cells. Popular imagination has considered our brains to be just a collection of neurons with an immense number of cells linked through an even higher number of connections, but with neurons basically being neurons. 
This new study indicates that the complexity of our brains and the consciousness for which that complexity is a platform has yet another level of complexity on top of just having those connections. When people say that we have just a few basic emotions that are hardwired, they're relying on flawed research from the previous century. It's out of date. Neuroscientists aren't still nowhere close to a complete coherent understanding of how our brains work and how conscious experience emerges from that biology. What scientists have discovered so far is amazing, but there is a huge amount about our minds that nobody understands. And the more that we discover about how all of this works, the more scientists understand that there's a huge territory left to explore. So digital businesses that come to us with these really simple models of human emotion, they just should not be regarded as credible. Now that said, I want to recommend to you to try something out, an app on your smartphone. This is an app called How We Feel. I want you to try this out for the next couple of weeks because in a couple of weeks from now, I'm going to devote an episode to evaluating just what this app is up to. It's available on your smartphone's app store and it is a free service, at least for now, as it was developed by a nonprofit organization. The app claims to be able to help people develop their awareness of the diversity of their emotional lives. And that's emotional granularity. Now, to what extent does the app actually accomplish this? That is an open question in my mind. And, and by the way, as I'm discussing this, I want to be clear, this is not a paid advertisement for that app. I do not include advertisements in this podcast because I want to maintain its emotional authenticity and I want to maintain some sense of trust with you. Um, when, when I talk about something in this podcast, it's because I'm interested in that thing. Period. That's it. I am genuinely curious about the conceptual framework that's behind the How We Feel app. Because it goes far beyond the constrictive and outdated theory of basic emotions that has dominated digital measurements of emotion so far. How We Feel, that app was recently recommended to me by a colleague at work. And I'm trying it out for a few weeks now um, and going to be talking with her about that. So if you check it out over the next couple of weeks, you'll have an idea of what I'm talking about when I review it in an episode two weeks from now. Between now and then, I'm going to take a sharp turn in an unexpected direction because I had been... Um, expecting to do an episode on an emotion from Czech culture that interestingly blends sadness and happiness into something nuanced and somehow all its own. And I'm going to get to that emotion, but um, recently my life has been a little bit helter-skelter. And so instead, what I want to discuss is a German emotion instead, one that I've been trying and failing to grasp for years now. And I want to take a look at that failure too. So 
Next week's episode is going to be about the troubled emotion of Zainsucht. Until then, thank you for listening.